0: Download it today at the Apple App Store or Google Play. HuntStand. Upgrade your arsenal.
1: This is the Houndsman XP Podcast.
2: Good dog, get that bird. Get that here. The original podcast for the complete houndsman.
1: Yeah, so how many, day, how many days a week can you spend every day?
3: As much as I can, to be honest with you.
2: Anytime that I get, I'm I'm out there.
1: Join us for every heart-pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else. I'm going to hunt
2: whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here.
1: <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the truth portion of the Houndsman XP podcast. I'm your host, Josh McAless, and uh, once again... Even though you guys didn't get here at the first time, uh, I'm joined by national champion Mr. Jason Doherty. Jason, how you doing, buddy?
2: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Good.
1: Now this is uh, our second take because I screwed up our first one.
2: Well, no, I don't think he did. I think there was a reason behind that. I
1: think. You, I uh, think you might be right.
2: I, I think there was a story I sure told that I didn't share. So, and I felt that when we got done. And, it just so happened, uh, you called me a day or two later and said that the sound was all messed up. I was like, "Well, you know, I'm gonna have to do it again, so I might as well do it right this time." So.
1: I hear you. Yeah. All right, we're going to uh, we're gonna start off kind of like we did last time, Jason. I'm, we want to know a little bit about you. I mean, most guys that are listening to this are gonna know who Jason Doherty is. You're a national champion. You're <laughs> a two-time Super stakes champion. Uh, you're the owner of XCon and yep. uh, you got it Jeremy
2: Jeremy Phillips I got a partner on
1: Yep, that's right Mr. Phillips and uh Uh, you've got a unique story that we didn't get to last time that I do think we want to share but let's just start off by telling listeners you know how you got your start into coon hunting this this great sport period
2: well we grew up I grew up in a little old shack three we had three rooms you know we was poor I didn't even know what a beef cattle was till I was in my upper teens. I mean, when we ate, we ate beans and cornbread and, and potatoes. I mean, that was about every meal. Unless we had a rabbit or a squirrel, well, we didn't have no much of the meat. Uh, we, like I said, we was poor. And, uh, family done their best to provide for us. But, you know, them times back then, it was a lot different than today. Um uh, we just, we just grew up poor. Papa had an old dog that turned loose in the yard. His old name was Joe. And old Joe was about as mean and honor as I was. And <laughs> My first memories of messing with dog was messing with old Joe where we'd throw out three-day-old table scraps. And I'd go out there, and I'd take old Joe's bowl, and I'd pull it back, and he'd growl, and I'd push it back up <laughs> that I Like I said, I was probably three-, four year old. You know, Joe's out there, and old Joe's been hungry, you know. Probably ain't been much scraps for a day or two. And I went to pull old Joe's food bowl back, and old Joe downed me. And I remember looking up at old Joe, and old Joe was showing me every tooth he had as he was straddled me. And uh, Joe taught me a good lesson that day, and uh, I never messed with old Joe again. <laughs> but uh, that, that, that's the first dog, coon dog, that... You know, I was never around, but you know, I grew up with old Joe there and old Joe just pretty much got like you said about old Blue earlier. He just laid around, you know, and didn't yeah. mess with much. But um I, I go on here up to my first coon hunt, I guess uh it was with old Joe. And uh dad had borrowed old Joe from Papa and had been hunting with his boss at the time, Dan Donnie Ranover. Now, Donnie, he hunted in some hunts, and uh, I didn't know this at the time or nothing. You know, I'm young, probably four and five at this age. I remember Donnie's dogs getting treated in there and Dad packing me across the creek in there. To Donnie's dog, and we got in there, and old Joe ain't there. Back then, dogs packed up a lot. It, it was it was weird that Joe wasn't in there. You know, we don't know where Joe's at. at. We got back to the truck, and, Dad said we're gonna drive around see if we can hear Joe. We drove around for three, four, five hours listening, stopping and listening, you know, mm. trying to hear Joe. And Dad thought he heard him in there. Deep, we'd drive around the other road. We thought we heard him that way. We'd drive around the other road. Well, about three or four hours passed by, and we hear something back there in the box scratching. But we look back there, and old Joe's been in the box the whole time, you know. <laughs> Oh Joe, <laughs> I didn't know much about tuning but I thought, man, it's got to be better than this, you know. <laughs> oh Joe wasn't much. Oh Joe, just the old dog. We all loved him. Oh Joe died there. At the house. He's about thirteen years old when he died.
1: What? Uh, no walk-
2: when did no it, Walker?
1: When did it get better? When did? It, when did you guys get to where you could turn dogs loose and and tree coons regularly?
2: Man, my mom and dad they. My dad was in and out of everything. I mean, he'd be, he'd be in dogs one minute and into chickens the next, and back to dogs and beagles and back to coon hounds. Mom and dad split up when I was about eight years old. Um, my brother went to live with my grandma, and I went to live with my uncle in town, and, uh, and I stayed in trouble. I was a main kid, which, you know, I had a lot going on. You know, I couldn't understand why mom and dad wasn't together. Mm-hmm. I couldn't understand why, you know, me and my brother was split apart. So I stayed in trouble. You know, I went from a country school to the, moved to the city, and I was different than them kids, and them kids was different than me. Uh, so I grew up on these uh, ball courts, you know. Yeah. Pretty much we fight for the ball Uh we fight every evening. As kids would just fight. And uh, I remember coming in, and um, one evening, and uh, my grandma was there and had my mom. My mom had went to during all this. She went to a mental hospital, and she had some stuff going on with her. Evidently, she was fixed and come and got me. But I'm not understanding. You know, as a kid, you don't understand yeah, all man. this stuff.
3: Yeah,
2: um, so... She come, they come, they picked me up. I got to go live with my mama and papa and my mom uh, back up here, this three room shack that I grew up with with old Joe and uh, Dad. He'd come around every now and then. He'd come around. Well, Dad was in, like I said, he's in and out of dogs, but at this time he's in coon hunting. He's coon hunting, and he's hunting dogs for uh, everybody knows him, Bobby Burton. You bet. he got some young dogs. He's hunting for Bobby, and uh, I get to go with him. And uh, them dogs, they're the do tree coons. Uh, I'd Dad, and they'd tree coon. Well, I'll be honest with you. I did not like coon hunting. There was no such thing as a garment.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It was cut them loose and drive around listening to these dogs. And it, to me, it was just awful. Uh, but I wanted to have a relationship with my dad so bad that you know, that's all he was into was these dogs, and we didn't have nothing in common. So I thought, you know, I'll get interested in the dogs, and we'll have something in common. We'll have something to talk about. So yeah. I act like I was really interested in these dogs, and Dad would leave me a dog at Bobby's, whichever one it was, uh, and I would hunt it. And uh, I didn't have nobody to hunt with. We lived up there in Old Country Hills, and, uh, I mean, Day, I barely had enough gas to get to work on. Back and forth all week, mm-hmm. so um, we did I didn't get to go with many people, but I would take that dog and I was walking from the house there at night when it would get dark. I'd just take that old dog and I'd walk. And I'm scared to death of the dark. Uh, <laughs> just you know, walking with my eyes closed, trying to tune out my ears from hoot owls, and uh-huh. crickets, and tree frogs, and you know what you're. I'm probably ten, eleven, twelve year old at this time, and all these things that are so little sound so big. Uh, I was just scared to death. But when that dog was a tree, I mean, it was like everything else got quiet. It was like all I could focus on was that tree dog, mm-hmm. and I wasn't no longer scared till I got that dog off that tree. And then I had to walk back, and then it was just plumb awful then, because your dog's looking out there in the woods. He looked this way, and I uh, just thinking any minute that the monster was going to jump out and grab me. <laughs> and, uh, but those are my first memories of, of coon hunting, where we actually had dogs that would tree, uh, and, and some of them tree coons. But uh, later on, um, uh, let's see here, where am I at here? I'm about 12 years old here, right. and uh, I'm getting in. Uh, Dad, you know, like I said, he's in and out, so. I'd have the dog two weeks. Dad come pick it up and take it back to Bobby. And Bobby, we just basically started the pups. I mean, these are just started pups. Right. Bobby would take right. them and put the finishing touches on But At this time, I don't have a clue what's going on. I'm thinking these are real good dogs.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, Bobby put the finishing touch on. Dad in and out. So I'm kind of I'm going to school and around. 13, 14 years old, I mean, I'm just, I ain't blaming, I don't want to blame nobody, nobody, but it's my fault, you know, but I, I lived a pretty rough childhood, so I, I was looking for love and affection from somewhere or somebody, and the only person I was getting it from was my teacher and my principal, it seemed like, because right. I stayed in trouble. You know, they showed me the attention I needed after I lash out and do something. Mm-hmm. So I'm standing in fights, and Mom and them all happened to come pick me up from school, and I'm suspended from school three or four times a year. I guess it was probably high school. It was my freshman year of high school. They finally they caught me with some drugs and a handgun, and they called Mom and all of them in there, and they had the law there. and uh, They charged me with some kind of criminal case, and I had to go to court, but they told him not to bring me back to school. Uh, I needed to find help somewhere else. So um, now I'm in and out of the court system, and um, I finally just give up and quit school. And uh, But I'm still going down the wrong road, you know. Uh, there ain't no dogs at this time. No do- no dogs, no nothing. I'm just Do you think, Jason, do you
1: think that, that, that the that the trouble and the no dogs there was a correlation there do you think if you'd have really well, focused on and, on the dogs it would have been different as,
2: as we as we get as we get further in this story you can be the judge of that i but, mean uh i'm in and out of trouble at 18 i had my daughter and uh i have a little girl but i mean i don't know what i've got at 18 you know i'm just a young kid myself that you bet. i mean i'm a drug i'm addicted to drugs at the age of 18 i mean i'm I'm on meth at this age.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, my pet which is my dad, you know, pretty much the way I look at it at this point, this is my dad. He's taught me squirrel, you know, what trees to look for for squirrel cuttings. He's taught me deer tracks, the difference between a buck and a doe. You know, he's taught me all the outdoor stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, he was always there to take me. Uh, he would take me and drop me off sometimes of, of the night and come back and pick me up when I'd get done hunting. Uh, he was always there. He, he got cancer uh, December of the year that I turned 18, and it was Christmas. Yeah. And uh, the two weeks there of Christmas, like most kids go on Christmas break, that two weeks I got to sit there and watch my papa suffer and die of cancer on it, on, at home and on the bed is the awfulest thing I've probably ever seen to this date. Uh, I just couldn't understand how a man that was this good. I mean, he was he was really a generally a, a he was generally a good person.
3: Right. He'd help
2: anybody he could. Wouldn't charge him nothing. You know, he'd go work in the neighbor's tobacco field all day and wouldn't charge him nothing. But uh, like I said, he was 18 there. He died and. Uh, I got a kid and I'm running wild and I caught my first case around that time, but they caught me manufacturing, making meth
3: mm-hmm.
2: and they uh, I did about a year in county jail and I finally got my bond lowered and they let me back out. but it wasn't two weeks later they caught me again. Mm-hmm. And this time they locked me up and uh, I ended up going to prison. I did about three years. and I got out and I did really well I'm in prison. I hadn't heard from dad. You know, my dad's been gone all this time here. So I'm laying there in prison, and I get a letter from my dad. And my dad don't write or nothing. It just had a phone number. Up, said, call. But I I let a few, you know, I've got a lot of, I going to say hatred, but I got a lot of animosity yep, yep, towards my dad at this time. You know, right. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm blaming every, at this time, I'm blaming everybody but myself. So it's everybody's fault. It's, you know my mama's fault it's my daddy's fault it's you know my mamaw's fault it's the school's fault
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, everybody's fault but mine uh so I let a couple weeks go by and I call him and uh he says that uh you know what's your plans when you get out I didn't really have no plans but I made up some sound good
3: right and
2: uh he told me I'd come stay with him well they let me out i met the parole board they let me out and uh I went to stay with him, and he had an old dog down there, and we hunted that dog. Uh, Dad was dabbling in some competition hunts, and he had that old dog there. I did good for a little while. I mean, I hunted two, three nights a week, maybe, mm-hmm. something like that. Wasn't really into it, but right. um, Dad put me in my first competition hunt at that time. It was old club hunt, and uh, I hunted that dog, and I didn't know when they turned them dogs loose, they all went to barking. <laughs> they all sound the same to me. Bad poking me in my ribs, you know, this day and age, that means strike you dog. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I didn't know it at the time, but I laid back and I took a quarter. Uh-huh. Uh, should I, could I have had whatever, but, uh, they took that track around that hillside. And it, uh, I didn't know it at the time, but now the dog ended up becoming a world champion. But, uh, it roller, uh, something roller, I don't I can't remember his name was Roller, World yeah. Champion one by two thousand something. Uh, they took his track around the hill and they come by us and they was running a cow. And the cow roller was probably fifteen yards behind his cow he was about to catch it. <laughs> roller uh, was a good he track dog there. It. <laughs> it was track dog. Absolutely yeah. uh totally different than today. Uh they brought that track around and here come the other two in behind him it was a three dog cast and uh They said, catch him. Judge hollered, catch him. So I just leaped on the first walker. I mean, they were all walker dogs. They all look the same to me. I mean, I don't even know what my dog looks like. Uh, (laughs) I grabbed a dog, and uh, Dad says, That ain't your dog. I just turned it back loose. Then that other old boy goes running his dog that I had called. I could have just handed it to him. I I don't know. Just at the time, I thought, It ain't my dog. Turn it loose. So I ended up catching mine. And uh, Anthony Arnold was hunting Roller and uh, him and Roller went back to the truck and they was down there having a heart to heart talk. Yeah. And uh that other old boy, the I's working on him, and I ended up catching him and I ended up winning with lease minus. <laughs> you know, I mean I, I'm thinking, you know, what you know, what in the world is it? You know, this ain't, you know, something I want to. But I end up meeting a girl around that time man, and I fell in love with that girl and I thought she was just everything and huh she ended up going, running off, running off with her ex. So I was kind of heartbroken again there. I thought, you know, here I am. You know, nobody, you know, all throughout my life, nobody wants me, you know, they'll just drop and leave me. So what I do, I start going back to the same old things that I knew. Yeah. I started going back to the meth. I guess you could say the pain I thought it was. Yeah. But looking back now, all it's doing is create more problems. But I didn't know this, so I ended up getting back into that. How old are you at this
1: time, Jason?
2: I'm probably 20. I'm, I'm probably 25. Right. Probably 25. And I learned to value. one of my most valuable lessons during this time. Um, like I said, I had my daughter there, and when I got out that first time, at, well, actually, the second time I got out right there, my little girl, I'll never forget it. I remember it like it was yesterday. She was sitting on my lap, I was at my mom's, and she said, uh, Daddy, I don't want you to go back to jail. I said, uh, you ain't never gonna go back to jail, are you? And I looked at her and I said, no, honey, I ain't going back to jail. Well, now after this girl left me, I'm getting into these drugs again, mm. and it ain't no time, here I am, I'm caught up again. They catch me again, manufacturing that. Yeah. This is my third charge. Uh, so they send me back to prison. Now, whenever you're in prison and they let you out on parole, they don't just let you out and say, hey, it's over with. Mm -hmm. Whatever you owe them, you owe them something, it's about like owing the bank. You're going to pay. You bet. So, I've got like nine years left on the shelf that they tack on to whatever I get here. And I, Ended up, I fought that case for a while, and I'm, I just got tired of messing with you. They're driving me from one end of the state of Kentucky to the other end of the state. every. They'd wake you up at like 2 o'clock in the morning, make you pack all your bags up like you was leaving and going somewhere, but all you're going to is court.
3: Right.
2: And it, They just kept doing me that way every month, every month, every month, every month. And they'd drive you six hours one way in the back of a cop car, with you chained from your feet to your head, and you there's no way you can move. Uh, you better not have to use the bathroom because if you do, you're just gonna be using it on yourself.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, but, but they kept driving me back to court. Finally, um, I mean, the first the first offer the state come at me with was life. I mean, it was I could tell they was tired of messing with me, man. Mm-hmm. They give me chance after chance, and I they was just done messing with me. I mean, I didn't think life was much of an offer, so I turned it down and uh I had a good I had a good a good lawyer. He didn't even know my name. So uh <laughs> they finally come at me with twenty five years and I thought man I'm just gonna take it. And I, you know, at this time I'm I pretty much see that, you know, I'm gonna give up at this time. I'm I'm pretty down and, you know, I I know that this is all I'm ever going to be. I'm thinking to myself, yeah. this is this, is, this is my life. You know, I'm in here with people doing life. You know, I got more in common with them than I do. It seems like I do with my own family. So I take the 25 years. I go and I think I did seven years this time, and yeah. uh, and it's funny. I mean, I laid in there at night, and I, I remember I lay in there at night. And I'd pray. I mean, I'd be like, you know, God, if you let me out, if I get out, you know show me a way, show me something different than what I'm doing now because what I'm doing ain't working. Uh, and I would. I'd sit in there and pray. And I wasn't, you know, I'm not, no. anybody knows me, you know, I, I cuss, a few back, or I spit. You know, I'm pretty rough around the edges. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I know there is a God. And, you know, I know if any, anything or anybody's going to help me, it's, it's got to be him because I can't do it on my own. So, a few years passed, I come up for parole like the third time. They done denied me parole like twice. Yeah. The third time there, I come up. This is 2013. Now we're up here 2013. They let me out. July 2013, I walked out of this prison. I was wearing a pair of flip-flops that they call share shoes. Yeah. You don't want to get in the shower in there unless you've got share shoes. Yeah. There's stuff growing in them showers. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I had a pair of shower shoes. I had one pair of boxer shorts, and one t-shirt, and a pair of khaki pants, and a Bible in my hand when I walked out. In 2013, I was going back to dad's. This time I go back to dad's, and uh, I've got it in my mind now. While I'm in prison, I'm learning things. You know, they they make you go through classes because yeah. you got to show the parole board that you're trying to change for them to let you out. So I'm going to these classes, and, you know, I'm basically, it's, they, they say fake it till you make it, and that's basically what I'm doing. I'm faking these classes. But at the time, I mean, I'm not knowing this, but they're teaching me things about myself that I didn't even know. You know, like, my way of thinking was wrong. I mean, I thought that it was everybody's fault but my own. Now I'm starting to take responsibility for my own actions. Mm-hmm. You know, so I had no plans of changing or nothing. I mean, it, it's weird the way it worked. I so walked So when you
1: got 10. when you got out, are you talking about before you got out? You had no plans of changing, or when you walked right, out that door? Right
2: before before I got out. Before I got, you. You know, before I got out, even when I got out, I had no plan. When I walked out of that door right there, I had absolutely no plan.
1: You just planned on going back into your old life. And, and doing I, as you were. I doing? didn't
2: plan no, I didn't even plan that. I, I gotcha. didn't even I have understand. Uh, like I said, I had absolutely no plan. I'm walking out of here. This lifestyle behind this fence is all I know. Yeah. You know, it's it's done I've done spent so much time in there. That's all I know. I don't know nothing else. I, I don't see. have no plans. I,
3: see. I don't
2: even know what to expect. I walk out the door July first, two thousand thirteen. My little brother picks me up and takes me to my mom's i see everybody everybody's glad i'm home you know Mm -hmm. kind of scared to death of of being out here because i know you know i'm thinking i'm gonna mess up i'm gonna mess up well i go see dad dad's got another dog. well i get to hunt with dad and something popped in my mind they taught me in there like they want you to go to classes they want you to go to if you're a drug addict, they want you to go sit in a room full of drug addicts and sit and talk about drugs yep. for every day, once a day for thirty days straight. I didn't like that. I mean, I, I thought, you know, me and drug addicts don't need to be together. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's the last thing we need to do, in my mind, I'm thinking. That you makes, know, we that get together, we to start talking too. about it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it it just didn't make no sense to me. Right. So I told myself I'm going to spend thirty days with this dog yep. every night, regardless of weather, regardless of whether or not I want to go, regardless of who wants to go with me for thirty days during thirty nights, I'm going to hunt this dog and I'm going to stay in the woods. Well, after about the first week, I started saying, "Hey, as long as I'm chasing this dog, I don't want to get up and go go uh." worry about nothing else i mean I, you spend all night with a dog when you open your eyes the next day you're not thinking about getting up and going to uh, do a drug or you're not thinking about getting up and going doing much of nothing i mean it's tiresome yeah when you, when you spend what i'm doing with this dog
1: you wake up so thinking about that
2: dog i wake up and i'm thinking about that dog and oh. uh still i don't really have no plans uh But I spent the first 30 days with that dog. And then uh, my aunt introduced me to this woman that she was working for. She said, you know, this is a real good woman. I want you to meet her. Uh, I'm not thinking nothing about it at the time. I'm thinking this is just another woman. I've been locked up seven years. Any man that knows being locked up seven years, any woman's good for you. (laughs) So I meet this woman. Come to find out she's, you know, she's that person that, she showed me love regardless of what I was before
3: mm-hmm.
2: or any of that. She she was she made up for everybody that ever walked out on me. I mean, she loved me unconditionally. And I told her, I explained to her where I come from and you know, the dog's working for me. So I explained to her, look, you know, when it gets dark, I've got to go hunting. It ain't no that I want to. It ain't that I want to leave you and go out here to this dog. I've got to. And yeah. she understood that. So I continued to hunt. That year alone, I hunted. I missed three months that year, and it was because of the state of emergency. And I was scared if I dropped down off over the hill, I wouldn't be able to get it back up over due yeah. to the ice. ice yeah. I missed three three year, three days that, that year of coming up. I couldn't hunt. Yeah. And I don't really know, I don't have a clue what I'm doing with this dog. I'm just turning it loose. And I'm following. I'm following this dog. And, you know, now, after this year's up, I've got some sobriety underneath my belt here. And me and this woman, like, we hit it off. And things is falling into place, man, that I can't, you know, I'm not doing nothing. I'm I'm not working. I'm just following this dog. I'm Every day, I'm following this dog. Every night. When it gets dark, I'm, I'm just following this dog. I'm letting everything, whatever's going to happen, is going to happen in my in yeah. my head. Right. I'm just going to continue to do what I'm doing. I'm going to follow this dog. So, now, here we are. We're about the beginning of 2014. And Dad, has. we've got a young dog here that I've been doing this hunting on, and I'm wanting, the whole time Dad, or even growing up Dad, was Bobby Burden this, Bobby Burden that. Bobby Burden's one this. Bobby Burden's one that. I like Bobby. Bobby, you know, he's like family to me. But I got sick and tired of hearing about Bobby Burden. <laughs> yeah, I did. I mean, I, I every time he'd say, you know, well, Bobby does this, well, Bobby does that. Well, I thought, well, the only way I'm going to ever be there is for me to be able to check and see what Bobby's about. Yeah. So I started hunting with Bobby, you know. I started going up there. I'm living with this woman, and I'm driving an hour and a half to Bobby's house every night. And I'd go hunting with him. Well, I'd watch him, and I'd ask him question after question. I mean, probably what seems to be stupid questions now.
3: Yeah. But,
2: I mean, I was interested. I wanted to know, you know. I wanted to know the rules, you know. Uh, David Blake's another one. I, I hooked up with him. He t- he! I learned a lot from him, as far yeah. as the rules and, and all this. And uh, in 2014, I forget what month, I become a PKC member and I went to my first PKC hunt. I thought I had this dog ready. Right. Uh, I had 100, 100 on coon right out of the truck. I mean, put it through him. And I thought, boy, I got him. But I walked that minute and I recut, and he went back tree.
3: Yeah.
2: I went back over and got him again. Treated him, walked back over and got him again. Walked a minute, and he went back tree got scratched. Right. But that gave me ambition to fight more and, and to go home and train more. I had to go home and I had to work on that dog and get him where I wanted him. And I come back and we won our first cast. In two thousand fourteen I won my first T K C cast uh, with this dog and uh I'm still hunting with Bobby and I'm still I've got my mind set. I've got to turn this dog loose. Now now I'm not addicted to drugs no more. I'm addicted to this daggone dog turning loose. Uh, it has become addiction to me, just like the drugs.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and, and they'll tell, they tell you that, uh, an addict ain't addicted to drugs. He's got an addictive personality. He can get addicted to whatever it is that makes him feel good. Yeah. And at the time I make, I'm feeling good because my dad's calling me every day, you know, wanting to know how the dog's done. Uh, I'm feeling good because my wife, you know, she's asking questions about the dogs. Uh, what what dog you know, was this? I, this isn't. dog was, my dad named this dog Time. Yeah. Uh, funny, because I've done a lot of time. But uh, <laughs> the dog's name was Time. And really, honestly, man, that dog, like you and Ward talked about the other day, what makes a dog a good dog is his heart and his yeah. drive. This dog had that. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't have the knowledge at the time to. You know, a dog with a lot of heart and drive—they get into a lot of things they shouldn't. Yeah,
3: it's not bit. like
2: me, yeah. as I was as a kid, uh, and I didn't know how to break that. I thought you just shock them. You know, mm-hmm. I. But I, you know, if they do something wrong, shock them. Yeah. Uh, I remember uh, standing out there in the road, and time would be in there running with uh, major pain. And hot spot, yeah. and, and he would be in there running in this field, and I'd be just frying him And they'd be asking me, Why are you frying him? I said, Well, he's running junk. You know, he's giving a lot of mouth. So I'm thinking, because he's giving a lot of mouth, he's running junk. Dog wasn't even running junk. Dog was running coon now yeah. that I look back at it. Yeah. But I wanted him out of the field. You can't tree coons in fields, is my motto. Yeah. yeah. Coons climb trees, not corn stalks.
1: That's right.
2: Uh, what I thought at the time but I, now I look back I have seen coons climb cornstalk I but, have too twice actually <laughs> yeah yeah, I have so but I don't know this at this time so I'm just frying the dog uh, well that we get ready for the baby steak this is my first major hunt I go to and um, another guy my dad had uh, really looked up to was Keith Medley and yep. this pup was out of Keith Medley's dog block box Yeah. And uh, I met Keith Manley there Saturday of the Baby Stakes, and he uh, come walking up through there leading a dog called Willie. He had Willie in the the finals, the Super stakes, And they was up there, Jerry and all of up there on the, uh, we're Sullivan, Indiana, and they're up there on the stage, and they're yeah. setting it up for these pictures to be taken. And, I mean, I'm at all, at all the, you know, the how big this is, you know. People are just walking around, and here I am amongst Keith Medley. And Keith, Keith's a weird character, man. Keith's about like me; he's about half smart ass. Yeah. And uh, I'm talking to him there, and I'm talking about this dog, and he says something smart. And I, I pretty much tell him, I said, "Hey, man, you're smart ass." And uh, and I never forget what he told me. He said, "Uh, I, I was like, you know, I, I'd rather hunt something out of somebody else's stuff." And he said, just because you don't like me, don't deprive yourself from the winner's circle. And he let, <laughs> and he let a Willie <laughs> up there on stage. You got his bitch took me and he won it all that night. You know, that old cranky sucker, he won it all that I night. I remember. And now me and Keith, you know, I, I call him all the time. You know, we, we're, we're, I'll consider him good friends. But, uh, at the time I'm thinking, boy, he's just so cocky and, uh, now that the baby, I got beat that night, baby steaks. Um, now that it's over, I have learned what I feel like is enough to, I want to hunt real super steaks. Because mm-hmm. ever seeing Keith getting his picture took, and man, they was doing play-by-plays on Keith that night, and it seemed like nobody knew the baby steaks was even up there. So, yeah. you know, I want to be, like I said in the beginning, I want my dad to talk about me like he talked about Bobby Burke. So yeah. I put an ad on the Internet there uh, looking to take a dog to hunt, and uh, I get a phone call, and it's uh, Greg Minkler. And I don't know Greg. I don't know Greg from Adam at yeah. this time. Didn't even know he was as big as he was until I done, started hunting this dog for him. But he called me, and he said, uh, I don't have a dog. I thought, Well, why in the world you calling me, you know? <laughs> you ain't got a dog. He said, But I'm willing to buy a dog if we you can find this one. I thought, Well, Lord, I mean, we can do that, yeah. maybe. And uh me and Zach, Burden, I went up there with him and we went and looked at a dog and uh they wanted sixty five hundred dollars for that dog. Uh Zach Zach was more knowledgeable than I was, and he's a lot younger than me. But uh I took him with me to look and boy she sound good. She done a good job on a comb right truck, rolled up in there and had a good man, good tree dog. And uh we got in her tree and the, the guy led her back to the truck. Zach said that that's her hope. I said, What do you mean? He said, She won't want to recut. Yeah. He said that's why he didn't recut her. And uh we went and made another drop. Well, this time she she wallowed around a lot and uh we was hunting old dogs he had. We took her as our measuring stick, old Cry. Yeah. And we we cut her this time and old Crash, she wallowed around about like she did and ended up making a ground hole. Well, I asked Zach, I said, What do you think about that dog? And he said, I'd pass on it. He said, it's a little bit at the time, you know, things has changed now. Money's money's changed.
1: You know, yeah. the prices
2: oh. of dogs has changed. Yeah. Top you know.
1: tier dogs but, were sixty five hundred then. Now that's just an entry fee
2: absolutely yeah but at this time it's kind of a good price for a dog uh mm-hmm. he told me that i think thought i should pass but this dog's got our collar on it because we were watching it on our dormant so we've got to sit there until she gets treated and uh there was another it's funny because uh, there was another guy there that was looking at her too i mean that's the only the time i've ever been look at a dog where two people was looking at it at the same time but we had the first opportunity was yeah. Justin Chisholm and his dad. Yeah. Well, they decided they was going to buy her. And uh, just so happened, a couple of weeks later, they called and told us, you know, hey, uh, she won't recut. We're going to take her back. And the guy was a good guy. God give them their money back. But That was probably the only thing Zach Burden was ever right about, was that dog right there wouldn't recut. But uh, yeah. I ended up. I find a dog here closer and I go look at it by myself and I'm tired of looking, man. We're right here, it's uh, this is probably May. Uh and we I'm wanting to get ready for a fall super steak. Yeah. And I go here close and I meet uh Brad Malt and Garrett Malt and they've got a young dog that they call Eagle. Spotted Eagle.
1: Yep.
2: And uh and he zipped around there, he did good, He Moved good, first made a treat, we didn't find nothing in. Next drop, he, he beat, banged, knocked, wallered for probably two hours, never did get treat, and we got him caught, and we cut him back loose and the tree to come. And I'm tired, like I said, I'm tired of looking. Mm-hmm. I'm about to the point I'm ready to give up. And uh, I called Greg told Greg what the dog did, and I told him I thought I could work with it. And... uh Greg tried to jew him down. He wanted $2,500 for his dog, and Greg tried to jew him down. That's just who Greg is. (laughs) Uh, And they wouldn't come down. I don't blame them. But Greg ended up buying the dog. I took the dog home. I I got the dog home. I started hunting with dogs. He wanted to go to dogs. You know, the dog was just a good started pup. He was everything that Brad and Garrett told me he was. Yeah. But I spent that whole summer right there and I worked. Oh man, I worked. I I did everything that had to be done to get this dog ready and he couldn't hardly take correction. Yeah. If you got on to him too hard with the collar, then he would freeze up on you. Totally different than what time was. Right. Time you could light him up like a Christmas tree. Yeah. and he'd keep on rocking. So now I'm thinking, you know, what do I do? You because know, I don't know no I don't know what to do really. So I'm talking to Bobby every night. I'm asking Bobby, you know, what I do, what I do, what I do. And uh I spent a lot of nights out in bean fields where that dog would go out there and find a place to hide. Yeah. And I'd have to go out there and I'd have to do things to him to make him look coons instead of a place to hide, but uh I spent that summer there working on that dog. I pulled my dad come down and hunted with me two weeks before the hunt, and this dog hadn't treated coon and I forget how long. I mean it was bad, it was horrible. Yeah. Uh, it's drain up bushes. He ain't made it. He ain't treated coon. And Dad told me I might as well stay home. Well, I wasn't staying home. I was going because I wanted to experience what the super stakes was really like hunting mm-hmm. a one year old. So I pulled in there on Monday in Salem and um I forget who I drew early, but I luckily I, I walked by with a circle tree. And late I drew Dustin and Wheat. And um uh, I treated one coon in that cast and it got me in. Yeah. And I mean I remember the feeling. I felt like I for the first time in I've got I've been out a year about a year and a half I've been clean for a while, but I felt like I was on drugs when I got that dog in. Yeah. I mean, I was so hyped. I went back to that motel room. I couldn't sleep. I tossed and turned. I, I'm just I'm just so hyped. I couldn't wait to talk to my daddy that next day and tell him how nah, I got that dog in. And uh, next day, I talked to Dad, and I got that dog in. I'm still riding in high. I mean, I probably slept 45 minutes that night.
1: Jason, I want I want to I want to stop you there and touch on that because uh, I took Con out in 2016. He was a he was a sophomore, and I raised him from a seven week old pup. He was the first male pup out of my old dog Duds that was ever born, and it took me till Wednesday, but that dog treated three coons early and two coons late and got me in, and I just don't think. That some of these listeners that haven't competition hunted and especially haven't been to super states understand what that feeling's like when you put the work in like you did with Eagle and like I did with Con and at the end of that late round cast they're taking that DNA swab. I mean, is that not uh-huh. that's that, that's uh, the man, best feeling it's on the, the planet?
2: Best feeling like I said, I've done drugs all my life and I'm higher now on this than yeah. I ever was on a drug. I yeah. mean, this is. I'm so high right here. Um, anyway, we walk. I got him in Monday. Uh, Friday comes around. Zach ain't got nothing in. Zach stays with me. I'm tickled where I'm at. I mean, I don't gotta win another cast. I'm. I mean, I'm just glad to be where I'm at. Yeah. Greg flies in or drives in or something. Him and his crew, uh, Epperson and Reed. I uh, Can't remember them guys' first names. Yeah, really everybody,
1: everybody's rooting for you when you get in at Superstation. Yes,
2: absolutely. I mean, they're sitting over there at Applebee's. They're, I mean, they're watching play. Uh, you know, they're waiting to hear back from me.
3: Yeah.
2: Right, Friday night comes in. I mean, this dog puts on a clinic. He trees three. He trees two coons. I make a handler mistake and train for fifty. When I should have treated him for seventy five,
3: yeah.
2: And Zach told me when we was walking in there, we had twelve minutes to go in his hunt. Walking in there, he said, "You just give this cast away." I'm thinking, you know, uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, at the time now, I'm down. You know, yeah. i you know, that high I was on. Now I'm so low. You know, I do. I have. I give this cast away. We, the judge told us to handle our dogs. We them, find the coon, laid off of it. We got like six minutes left. Recut. Eagle goes up over the hill 200 yards, loads up. I train. hunts open. Go up there, he's got a cut. Bam. Puts us in the finals. So now I'm really on another high. I mean, that's yeah. now, now this time, I, it's like I've overdosed now because I don't even really realize what's going on, the reality of this. You yeah. know, I don't, what to expect from, you know, I'm looking back at, you know, I don't even know what to expect. I've never been this like like uh, Conway Twitty said. I can tell you you've never been this far before. That was me. <laughs> yeah. You know that, that that was me. Come Saturday, I mean, I'm walking around. I don't. You know, I'm just that. You know, I'm just here. Uh, I'm here. I, am, I I'm in the final cast with Eric Piet. You know, I've you know seen him in these books and stuff. And yeah, I'm in here with a local guy, Ryan Cecil. He was just as nervous as I was. Uh, so me and him kind of talked and we you know we we kind of helped each other through this because we was both a nervous wreck. yeah uh that final cast i'll never forget it um uh, when it was about the last 15 minutes of it they told me to quit train eagle uh people at the club is you know they're going nuts i have treed eagle so many times i've got such a lead on these dogs that there's no way they can catch them yeah. And though people wondering why. You know, when you go loaded up, I treated. There was yeah. no station. I didn't, at the time, I'm not understanding. I just know my dog. I know when he barks. I know when he locates. Yeah. I'm striking and training. I'm not using no defense. I don't know defense at this time. Yeah. I just know the striking tree. Eric finally looks at me and says, hey, man. He says, would you just quit training your dog? He said, let me and this guy here fight for second and third. I said, so you mean I won, right? You know, I remember looking at it. I'm like, yeah, I've won, right? It's over. And he's like, yes, it's over. You've won first place. And, and it's like six minutes to go in this hunt, man. And I'm telling you, I had to sit down, man. I had yeah. to sit down. I was about to pass out. I was about to pass out. I was on such a high that it. unless you've been there, you don't really know it. You don't understand, uh, yeah. I mean, I am absolutely pumped. And, uh. That cast got over there, Eagle was treed through there, had him another. I drove around there and went in there and got him. And Bobby Burden told me whenever he won the world hunt with Spot that Spot was treed and a train come rolling through Salem. There's a train tracks outside of Salem. I've, I've heard it since then. And I remember hearing that train and I remember hearing Eagle and thinking about Bobby telling me about Spot. And uh, I went in there and got him, and I went back to the club, and there's a buddy of mine now, Garrett Evelyn, he's there, his dad. You know, everybody's so happy. Greg's over at Applebee's. He's buying rounds for everyone. Uh, uh, He's tipping waitresses, and everything's just great. And I come home, and, you know, and a week later, it's like, you come down off that high yep. and you know now it's it's like now what now what do I do well I didn't want to stop I wanted to keep going I wanted to, I wanted to I was doing it out of I was doing it kind of for the wrong reasons people say that you know people do it it's all for the money
3: yeah. people
2: ain't doing that stuff for the money man if they are they're lying to you because the only way you're making money is if you you got somebody that is paying your way, paying for the dog food, paying for your gas, paying for your truck. That's the only way you're making money in this sport. Yep. The, the other, you're doing it for other reasons, whatever it may be. Whatever it is is great. Like I, you know, I've sat here and told you this story, you can see that I'm doing it to stay out of jail at this point. Yeah. Uh, but now I'm starting to do it for other reasons. I'm wanting that fame. I'm, I'm I'm chasing the fame now. Yeah. At this point, I'm chasing the fame. Well, now we can take a break from the dogs here and catch back up on this little girl that I had been I missed out on. Now, when I got out, I didn't want to jump straight back into her life because I didn't know where my life was going. You know, I I didn't want to be in and out of her life like mm-hmm. my dad was mine. Uh, so. I'm starting to get some morals and stuff about me now. Uh, I went and seen this little, I found out this little girl was cheerleading for the high school. Or middle school, yeah, middle school this time. And I go, and I just got, I go by her, I go by this, I, I find these kids. My wife got a daughter. She's, you know, she knows what's hip and what ain't. And yeah. So I, I take her, and she picks out this jacket. And I take this North Face pink, very ugly little jacket, and uh, I go see this girl. And after the game's over, I walk up to her and I hand her this jacket. And this little girl looks at this jacket, and looks at me, and she takes this jacket. We're standing next to this trash can. She throws that jacket in that trash can. She said, "I don't want nothing to do with you. You're a liar." And that hit me. I mean, that that's. I mean, anybody's got kids, you know that. It hit me hard, but I'm under—I understand it. Hmm. I understand that she don't want nothing to do with me. That you know, because all she knows of me was a different person than I am now.
3: Right.
2: So I just kind of went home and shed some tears and thought, you know, and, and prayed about it. I was like, you know, I want. I want to kind of try to make it up. I know I can't make up for what I've done, but I don't want her to remember me like this, you know. So I just kept doing what I was doing, and I would message her every now and then. And she wasn't really feeling it, but she would every now and then she would message me back something. Yeah. So I kind of just I, I kind of just played it that way, and I just kept hunting, and uh, I got a dog. I was getting pups from Keith and Italy up there, and they wasn't really working out as puppies. And I thought, man, people ought to give people pups. You know, people ought to give people that hunt pups. You know, that's what I'm thinking in my head. Yeah. It was a lot of work, a lot of work. So I put me another ad on the Internet, you know, looking for a free pup. If you've got one, I'll take it. Uh, I want it to be Super Steak because, you know, I am really wanting to go Super Steak. So uh, a guy named Andy Perk messaged me. He says, i got one pup left, if you can pick it up at Autumn Oaks. And And uh, I've never been to Autumn Oaks, still to this day, ain't been, but that is on my bucket list. I'm yeah. going to go to Autumn Oaks. Uh, I had a buddy pick it up at Autumn Oaks and he brought it home, and I named him X-Conn. As soon as I seen him, I said, that's X-Conn.
1: There's never been a more fitting name in the history of coonhounds, Jason.
2: I, I, I just going to name him X-Conn. For, uh because I don't know why I named him ExCon. I just did. It's just ain't X-Con. Uh I'm hunting these other dogs at the time. They're you know, they're not really working out, but you know, I, I'm you know, I think at this time I think I know everything. You know, here yeah. I'm out, you know, I'm I told Dad after I won the super states you know, I've been to prison all my life and I won a super states, you know? yeah Anybody can do it to what I'm telling Dad. This is easy. This is simple. Uh, I, I, my head's gotten big now, you know, uh, I, I've gotten a big head. Uh I think I know everything. Well, my wife sees this pup and she's just a dog person. She loves she loves every dog there was. And she's sending me messages while I'm out hunting other dogs and she's like uh she called him she's got different names for dogs than I do. She calls him Manny, Manny. Manny's his name. She said, Manny's going to be a world champion someday. I'm thinking, yeah, right, you know, we'll be yes. a world champion. Sucker be lucky if he ever wins a $30 open. <laughs> but, uh, then I get to messing with this pup as he's getting older, and I'm like, man, this pup's so smart. Like, What I was doing to time and Eagle, man, if you did that with X, and I did a little bit of it with it, if you did that with X, X remembered it. X was different. X yeah. had a brain where yeah. these other ones didn't really have. Yeah. X was super smart. I mean, if you, I mean, any little thing—if you jerked him up at a tree, the next ten trees you went to, he, he would be looking at you bug-eyed and no. Yeah. So he really it—it's—it makes it your job easier, but at the same time, it makes it harder because now it's a mental game.
1: Now you can't, you, got, you, you can't make a you mistake. You can't make a mistake with a dog that remembers.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I'm not going to sit here and act like I did everything right because I made mistakes with that dog. Yeah. I made a bunch of mistakes with him, that I wish I could go back and change. But everything with him was just so much easier. Uh, I fell in love with the dog. I did. Uh, I had a chance when he was a one-year-old. A guy come looked at him. I done fried his brains out and he was just a basically a blowed up dog and yeah. uh, Jacob Edmondson come look at him and I turned this one year old pup loose. We ain't even a year old yet. He's like seven months old. I turned him a loose with him and next just falls in there wham. Comes a tree, he's got one, cut him off it falls over a, a Tree he's got another one down there underneath the truck where I've shocked him so much. We go down there and draw, drag him out. recut cut him. Uh, Jacob buys him. Uh, I don't know why, but he buys him. Uh, takes him home, but Jacob, the whole time Jacob's down there, he's thinking about this other dog up here. And uh, Jacob went and told some people about the dog, and uh, people called tried to buy him, and uh, Ronnie King, he 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 hunted uh, a dog called Joker, which is now known as World Champion Electric Rodeo. Yes, sir. Uh, Ronnie called me, and he's like, I'll give you 10000 for it. But now, Josh, to me, I mean, I, like I said, I come from this old three-room shack. Yeah. 10000 to me is, I'm rich. You know, I, I'm thinking, you know, I've made it. I can, you know, what I can do with 10000 Now that I look at it, it's nothing. But yeah. I'm thinking, man, i sold this dog. I said, sure, come get him. Well, I come in, I tell my wife, I sold Manny, 10000 There was no happiness on her face. There was no joy of nothing. All I seen was tears start flowing. Yeah. I'm like, what's wrong? What's wrong? You know, we did, I did it. I did it. We've made 10000 She's like, it ain't about the money with me. She says, I love that dog. So, you know, I'm seeing my wife crying, I'm like, man, you know. So I called Ronnie back, and I'm like, look, Ronnie, I'm like, I know I told you I'd save the dog, but I, I just can't do it. I said, but I promise you this. The dog will never be so. I'll yeah. keep him till he's dead. I'll keep him till he's dead. And I went in there, back in there, and I told her, I said, look, ex is laying over on the couch. She's done brought him in the house. He's a house dog, and he's the best thing ever. I said, look, I said, I do this because I don't. I don't work, but I want to feel like I'm bringing something to the table. Yeah. In any relationship, whether it's a friendship, uh, wife and husband.
3: How hard?
1: Uh, hey, whatever. how hard How hard was it for you, being the man that you are, that I know, to call Ronnie Keene and go back on your word after you told him you sold that dog and you wouldn't sell him then?
2: It was real. That's what I'm saying. It was yeah. real hard. That's why I'm sitting here explaining this to this woman of mine. That we're not going to. This ain't what you know we do.
1: Yeah.
2: I'm doing this as you know. I I'm I'm doing this to, to try to help us to yeah. get where I want to be uh, in life, to where I think she deserves to be in life. And I told her, I said, "This is your dog. He'll never be sold." They'll yeah. stay with us through the days that, but this is the only one. Don't be out there in that yard. At the time, we're living over here in town. I said, don't, don't be out there in that yard. Don't be claiming them all. Don't be over there playing with them. I don't want you touching. touch them. Yeah. I don't want you messing with them. And she did. I mean, she, she understood that, and she kept him there, and she would go out and play with pups, and she would tell me, you know, that one there is going to make something. she's pretty good with it. I mean, she yeah. is. Honestly, yeah. she can pick out a pup and be like, you know, this and here is going to make it, and it, it'll make something. Uh, but now, now uh, my daughter, I notice I'm following her. You know, I'm on social media, and I'm using it for all the wrong reasons. I mean, I'm still <laughs> – I listen. I've made more mistakes in this game here, and in life general, than anybody in this world. I feel like, so, I'm making mistakes about how I'm using. So people know me. I I have no filter. Yeah. If something comes into my mind, I'm gonna say it. I'm still this day. I'm like that. I can't help it. It's a character defect of mine. Yeah. I'm using social media as. I'm running X down. I'm not building X up. Never do you hear me say how great X is. X five for five tonight. Yeah. It was like X, you know, he treated five things, but he spent uh, two hours over a wall or in a circle, had going there and beat him out. of You know, I'm telling the truth
1: yeah. here.
2: There is no in-between with me. I'm not bragging this dog up. And that cost me... at least by me not bragging this dog up. I believe that. Absolutely, because if you promote these dogs in a certain way, then people look at them differently. Yep. Uh, But we'll get into that some other time. But uh, Now I'm on social media, and I see my daughter has a pair of boots for sale, a little pink pair of water boots, Mm -hmm. I mean. I told her, I'll buy them, bring them to me. I don't need no pink water boots. What am I going to do with <laughs> pink water boots? Uh, but I told her, I'll buy them, bring them to me. Because I just want any way into her life I can get. Yeah. So she does. Uh, surprisingly, she says, I'll I bring them to you. And she brought these pink water boots over. I think I still got them. I might give them back to her but right now. But uh, yeah. I bought these pink water boots from 40, they was overpriced. I mean, she wanted like $40 for me And they wasn't. <laughs> but I bought them anyway. She got me. But uh, that was my way into her life. I mean, from that day on there, we started really talking. And um, we've got a relationship today. And she's just had a baby. And I'm a grandpa. and um, Things are a lot better today. And it's all because of. Number one, I, I'm, you know, God. I don't care who believes in him, who don't. I do. Uh,
3: yeah.
2: I couldn't have done it without him. As number one, and number two was that dog. I mean, I put all, everything I had into these dogs. And now, like I said earlier, it's to the point where I'm addicted to turning a dog loose at night when it yeah. gets dark. I mean, I start itching like, you know, I've got to go, whether it's to go sit and listen to a dog of someone else's or to go turn my owner loose. I'm going to go listen to dogs. Like tonight, I'm going to ride with Sean up to Junction, Illinois. They get that $6,500 hunt. I'll go sit on the tailgate and listen to these dogs and drive around and pick them up on the hunt. So I've won the nat- – I, I got second at the Nationals. Um, after winning, though I will say this the winning I did so much so fast it kinda it's like it I didn't have the drive to keep going. Yeah. I don't have the drive today that I did then to win
1: is it because and, is it because that mm-hmm. you reached a pinnacle or is it is it because cuz if for those that don't know Jason won the national championship with Xcon. He got second in the national championship one year, he won the national championship the next, which is pretty much unheard of. Uh, nationals is probably the marquee hunt. It's full of winners, it's the hardest to win. And it seems like to me Jason that you set your mind to it and I know you hunted you hunted so hard. I mean you hunted You touched on it the last time we spoke about how you got second in nationals. And from that day forward, for a year, you were mad and you hunted and you worked on X and you done the things that you needed to do to X to win it the next year. Do you think that, you know, you slowing down a little bit after your national championship win was because that you reached a pinnacle in that? Or do you think you just went so hard that you had to take a break?
2: Well, I I, – I ask myself this every day, Josh. I, I can't answer that question just yet in my life. Why I don't have that. Yeah. And it was like after the Nationals, I got a little bit of fire in me to show that I could win something with one of his pups. Yeah. And another blessing from God, I mean, this don't happen. Uh, I don't care what stud dog you use, but I had two pups out of exit this time, a male and a female out of the same jiff. I'd make one cross. At the time, I'm a male dog man, so I kept the male, and I set in on him to win the baby stakes. I wanted to win the baby stakes with a Mm -hmm. pup out of X. And it was after I did that, after I did that, I took that pup, and I won that baby stakes. And it was like after that, the fire just left me as far as competition going up. Now, I still... Coon hunt. Like I said, I will go every night. I've got pups out here. I hunt dogs for the public. I enjoy going down there in them bottoms yeah. and turning them pups loose. I mean, we, me and my. I mean, I'm not. Like I said, everything I have is because of God and these dogs and that woman of mine.
3: Yeah.
1: We
2: bought a we bought a house in the country that you know my name's on. We uh new truck. You know, she's got a new Jeep. We're blessed. We're really blessed. Yeah. And now I get more out of going down there and just sitting and listening to them dogs. Pleasure hunting. Back to the old ways of you know. I've changed my attitude about how dogs should work. Mm-hmm. I, I used to. I didn't believe in no track. I believed in all tree. Now I believe that. a to have an all-around dog. They've got a first track before they can tree.
3: Yeah. I mean,
2: my opinions on things has really changed in the last year, two years. Uh, I just that's what I enjoy. So that's what I'm going to do. I mean, it, until I can get that fire back in me, I'm not going. I don't like to lose. Yeah. So I'm not going to really go. And unless you really have fire in you, you're not going to win. Hey, you're not going to go out here and compete against a Bobby Burden. Dustin Weed, Michael Ward. You're not going to go out there and compete against them guys if you don't have that fire. If you've right. got that fire, then you can go out there and beat them guys.
1: There's no weekend warriors. There's no weekend warriors winning these hunts.
2: No, <laughs> not in these hunt, not not on the level that we're on. No, no, no sir. But you can't. Anybody, not me, you, uh, anybody out there that's listening. If you've got that fire and you want to win, then you will win. Amen. It's just how it is. Just how it is. You get what you work for. You will get paid. And just because, like you pointed out, I got second at the nationals. To most, that's a win. Yep. To me, it's not. I want to finish it. I want to win it. And you use that as fire. If you, you know, Zach helped me out a lot. Uh, yeah. That always, you know, we're good friends. I love Zach. He loves me. I believe he'd do anything the work for me. But he hated on X. I mean, he was no good from pup to still to this day after X ain't no count. Yeah. And he pushed me with that hatred. Yep. And I had enough of I'm going to show you in me to to use that as fuel for my fire. Yep. You know. And and that's what you gotta do. If you want it bad enough, you'll make it happen.
3: Yeah.
1: Jason. I want to, look, I want to get into a million different things with you, but I don't want to do the things that we normally do on this podcast because I believe that your message is different than the messages that I've asked for before. You know, we talk about competition hunting and we talk about, you know, the truths and myths and the things like that, but you've got such a unique story as to what these dogs and what these things done for you that I don't want to take away from that by talking about other things right now. Like I said the last time, we're gonna get together. We're gonna get to the, we're gonna get yeah, to the absolutely. world hunt. We're gonna do this in person and we're just gonna talk coon dogs. But yeah. I think I think you were right in saying that it was a blessing that I screwed the audio up on the first one.
2: You didn't you didn't screw the audio up, Josh. That's how this works. I mean yeah. it's, it's Amen. it is so it is so powerful and it's it's more than that. It's more than the the it's more than the winning. It's more than everything of that. Yeah. It's far beyond what we can think. So, it happened for a reason, and that's the message we needed to share today. And like you said, we'll get together at the world hunt. And we'll talk about other things and yeah. and all that. I know you're lacking on time. I am too. Sean to be here directly. Want me to go? Hopefully, I can go show him how I used to win and maybe yeah. he would be a winner someday uh,
1: before i close this out jason one thing that i've gathered from this interview is when you were struggling and you were blaming your struggles on everything else you know your dad and your situation and stuff i also think you did the same thing uh whenever you started to succeed and, and you gave the credit and not that the credits not due especially to God, but to your to your wife and the dogs and things like that. But I also think you need to take a portion of that credit to yourself for for changing your life around and for for being the success that you've got now and and all the blessings you have now.
2: Well, I, I can I can see that, but if everything I've ever done that. Uh, I, I, I touched. I broke. So I mean, I can't take no uh, credit for nothing that was put together right. If it yeah. was put together right, I didn't have nothing to do with it. You can believe that. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, I just got to thank. Like I said, I thank God. I thank my wife. I thank them dogs. And I do want to thank Bobby Burden because he showed me a lot of stuff that most. I'd like to. Thought.
1: I'd like to get Bobby and and Zach and Sean all on the podcast together one night.
2: Yes, yes, man. i love, you, you should you should really come down to the Burden Place, the Burden Farm. I might do it's that. It's a really unique it's a really unique place and it's a really tight weed woven yeah. family that I mean they're great people, man. Yeah, I'll
1: tell you what, I've drawn them, I've judged them. Uh, I've never yeah. had any trouble in cast with them. I always enjoy hunting with them and I think they're good folks too.
2: and, and that's another thing Bobby taught me early it's okay to try things but when the mule quits pulling get off of it you know don't push it It, you know don't push the issue right take it take it and take it you know be respectful hey he he did he taught me that yeah that's just one of many things but it's good talking to you josh and i I like what you're doing here i think it's i think it, it helps people to to see where we see it, you know, yep. as, as handlers and dog men and we've got a lot, you know we've got a lot more in common than what people think. You know, I know right, there's man. somebody out there that's listening that has went through what I went through and maybe maybe they ain't ready to change. Maybe they are, but this your show here should give people hope that if somebody like me can do it. Anybody can do it.
1: Jason, I just want to say I appreciate your message. I appreciate you coming on here. Uh, it's always a joy to talk to you. I know any time I've, I've had any trouble, you've been the first one to message me or call me and say, you know, thinking of you, buddy, and I appreciate that. Uh, we're going to get together. We're going to get together at the World Hunt, and we're going to talk other stuff, but I think, I think this was a fantastic show. All
2: right. Thank you, buddy.
1: All right. Thank you, Jason. I'll talk to you soon.
2: All right. See you soon.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is uh, the truth portion of the Houndsman XP podcast. Uh, it's not like we usually do. Uh, I've recorded this podcast with Jason once before, and the audio had a little little hiccup, so we couldn't post it. But uh, I think, and it, is, it isn't very often that the second take is better than the first, but I believe this one was. Uh, Jason's a good man. He's a good friend. Uh, he's got a unique message that I think everybody needs to hear, and I think that we need to understand as houndsmen that uh, these guys that you read in the books, you know, that are that are national champions, that are world champions, super stakes champions, they've won trucks and everything like that. At one point, they were, you know, on the same level as uh, as just everybody. You know, they they were. Pleasure hunters. Uh, some of them started with rough beginnings. Uh, they're not, you know, any any different than uh, a lot of these guys that you see today that that are struggling. Uh, they've got all got unique stories. They've all got unique backgrounds. And in the end, uh, no matter what they've won, no matter all the successes they've had, uh, at one point they were at the bottom tier, and and nobody exemplifies that more than Mr. Jason Doherty. And so I thank him for coming on. Uh it was a different podcast than what we're used to, but I think it was a, a great message and I think it was just absolutely fantastic. So uh thank you for listening. Uh we enjoy enjoy doing this and we enjoy all the support that, that you guys have given us. So thanks again from Hounds of an XP and thanks again for tuning in.